This is the Daily Tip on the BetQL Network, presented by BetMGM. All right, hour number two, Bill Rowland and EJ Glass are filling in for Chelsea and Jinx in this hour. College of football, NFL Thanksgiving Day games. We'll talk a little college basketball as well. So lots to look forward to over the next hour. Don't forget, coming up at 8.40 today, Eastern Time, we will give you our best bets. PJ's got quite a few lined up for us, I believe, and we'll start it off. Might as well dive right into it, PJ. College football, big weekend for those teams, A, that are trying to spoil seasons for everyone else, and B, those teams that are trying to stay alive in the college football playoff. There is a lot of games Uh, that will deal with that. None bigger than Ohio State-Michigan. We will get to that game. But let's talk about the big rivalry game that will kick off tonight at 7.30. So if you get tired of watching the NFL or maybe the games aren't going as, you know, Seattle-San Francisco ends up being a blowout, you've got your options. Number 12, Ole Miss at Mississippi State in the Egg Bowl. Ole Miss minus 400 on the money line, minus 10 on the spread. A total of 54 and a hook. You and I were talking during the break. I said, how in the world can Mississippi State keep this within 10? You tell me they can. Let's hear it. All right, Bill. Well, as you know, the last week of the regular season, there's always a lot of talk about these teams that have five wins, right? And who's motivated to win that sixth game, make a bowl, continue their season, try and build towards the offseason. Well, obviously, Mississippi State, I mean, it's been a crazy year with them. Everything that happened with Coach Leach and then Zach Arnett, who filled in for him, he got fired as well. So now they have an interim coach going up against their biggest rival, and they have a chance to get to a bowl game after all that. All those seniors and all those returning players, and they have a chance to beat their biggest rival, the number number 12 team in the country. So I think Mississippi State hangs around. I think they keep this game close against Ole Miss, who – I feel like it's kind of been overrated all season. You know, they do have nine wins. Their only two losses are to Georgia and Alabama. So absolutely nothing to complain about there. But these games, you know, especially when they're in Starkville, it it always seems like they they tend to be pretty close. And, um, you know, that's a tough place to play at night. So we're getting the hook here with the key number, 10.5 with Mississippi State. I'd even sprinkle a little money line tonight, Bill, because you know what? We might not have any upsets in the NFL so maybe we get our upset tonight in college with the Bulldogs at home. All right, so we'll look at that, the 10 and a half. And again, uh, that spread's gone up because I believe it opened nine and a half or 10 in a lot of places. So now up to 10 and a half, Old Miss over Mississippi State. All right, let's move to Friday's games. And this is one we talked about a lot on yesterday's show. Obviously, regular host Michael Jenkins, a Texas grad, big Texas fan. Texas Tech at number seven, Texas, who's still – is holding out hope to make the college football playoff. This line is now up to 14, and it opened up at 12 and a half, and it's already gone to 14 here. You've also got Texas on the money line, minus 650, total of 52 and a half. That's actually down a point from 53 and a half. Do you like Texas in this spot, or is Jinx right? The officials are somehow going to find a way to keep Texas Tech in this thing. It would probably be Texas Tech plus the points if I had to play the game. This was at 12 and a half at one point. We saw some money come in on the Red Raiders, and now it's coming back towards Texas. But now that we're getting the two full touchdowns, Bill, it's got to be Texas Tech. In games like this, where all the pressure 
is on Texas, and they haven't been in this spot in a long time, right? They still certainly are in the discussion to make the college football playoff. They've already clinched a berth to the Big 12. Ewers still doesn't look fully healthy to me. Watched him last week against Iowa State. Um, he's effective, but he's not his 100% self. And Texas, you know, they've they've been playing some teams tough here as of late. They won an OT against Kansas State. Iowa State game was close. TCU game was close. Houston, who they played about a month ago, that game was close. So Texas Tech was predicted to finish like third or fourth in the Big 12 at the beginning of the year. This was a team that almost beat Oregon at the beginning of the season. And, uh, you know, this is a rivalry game. They beat them in Lubbock last year, so they're not intimidated by him at all. think Texas wins the game, but I would lean towards the Red Raiders plus the points. All right, let's move on here. Oregon State at Oregon, number 16 at number six. Huge game here as far as the implications go for the college football playoff. Oregon cannot afford to drop this game if they have any shot at making the college football playoff. You see the numbers there on the screen for those of you that are watching us on Twitch. 13 and a half, the Ducks favored, minus 550 on the money line. The total set at a relatively high 62 and a half. The Beavers are plus 400 on the money line. Do we get an upset, or does Oregon roll into the Pac-12 championship game? I think Oregon's going to win the game. I would lean towards the Beavers on the spread, but the the play that I like the most is the over in the game. This was at 61. It's the 62 and a half now. Ten of the last 12 Civil Wars, Bill, between these two have gone over the total. Oregon's offense has obviously been a machine this season. Bo Nix is playing incredible football right now. And Oregon State, away from Corvallis, you know, you look at their home road splits. They're just not the same team. Their defense isn't as good on the road. Their offense is actually a little bit better on the road. And this is going to be the second-best team that Oregon has played all season. They have not – they do not have a current win, Bill, against a team – that is right now in the top 25. Their best win is at Utah, which was a really nice win because that is a tough, tough place to play. They didn't just win that game. They dominated. Obviously, they'll likely get the rematch with Washington next week, but uh, another one of these these games where all the pressure is on Oregon. This is the last civil war between these two teams for who knows how long because obviously Oregon's leaving the Pac-12. Um, so lean beavers on the spread. I don't love the spread as much, but I do like the over tomorrow in that game. I think we get a lot of points. And this will be interesting because it, obviously a rivalry game. So you wouldn't expect that there would be any letdown, but Oregon state coming off that tough loss to Washington where they had a chance had they beat Washington to kind of move up and maybe sneak their way in. But now that's done. They're just going to have to sit around and wait to see what bowl game they play in. Yeah, exactly. You know, Oregon State had a chance to control their own destiny in the Pac-12, right? Like Washington last week, Oregon this week. Bill, they even had a shot at the college football playoff. Like if things would have worked their way out and we had a little bit of chaos, if Oregon State closed the season, Washington, Oregon, Washington, winning those three games, like they certainly would have been in the conversation as a uh, 11-2 and team. But obviously losing that game last week, like you said, at this point, they're just waiting to see what bowl they get in. But finishing your season with the win against your your bitter rival and knocking them out of a playoff certainly would be would be a pretty good consolation prize. Yeah, certainly, as you said, the last time these teams are going to meet for some time. So that's an 8.30 kickoff on Friday. Let's get to Saturday's games. And it starts at noon. 
And the biggest one at noon is the biggest one. And we'll talk more about this at 8 o'clock as far as the pathway for these teams trying to get to the college football playoff. Number two, Ohio State taking on number three, Michigan, out of the Big Ten. Buckeyes plus 140 on the money line. Wolverines are minus 165. The number right there, three and a half. So you got the hook to worry about if you think it's going to be a close game. Total sitting at 46. Where are we on the biggest game of the college football weekend? I think there are some threes out there floating around on Michigan, and I certainly like it at that price, taking the flat three. The three and a half would would certainly scare me just because this definitely could be a three-point game. I do like Michigan, though, Bill, because what this line is telling you is that these teams are pretty much even. If not, Ohio State might even be a little bit better, right? You would probably have to give Michigan like three and a half, four points a home field in this game. The big house has the biggest seating capacity in the entire country. Both teams are undefeated. Ohio State is in town. So, like, this is truly the big house at its peak. Like, it doesn't get any bigger than this. Obviously, Big Ten Championship, college football playoff, all this stuff is on the line. I'm going back and forth on the game because Ohio State, their defense is elite. It is really, really good. The reason I can't pick them to cover or even pick them to win the game is simply because of Kyle McCord. I just I can't trust him on the road in a game like this. I really don't trust J.J. McCarthy either, Michigan's quarterback, but what I do trust is those running backs in Michigan and that offensive line. It's going to be a tremendous battle in the trenches, watching Michigan's O-line against that Ohio State D-line. Michigan maybe could struggle with Marvin Harrison a little bit. Maryland certainly made their secondary look suspect at times, but going to roll with Michigan in this game. I think they get it done at home. I think it's going to be a great game, but I like the Wolverines. Do you put any stock at all in the Harbaugh not being able to coach in this game? They've won without him. We've seen that, obviously, the Penn State game and everything else, but is there anything? It's Ohio State. I mean, it is the biggest game of the year and no Harbaugh on the sidelines. Yeah, I, I certainly think in a game like this, it, it definitely makes a, a huge impact, right? Because, like, th- this is the biggest game, like you said, and every decision is going to be magnified. Yards are going to be tough to, tough to come by. So, you know, when you're playing Maryland, and he had to make some certain decisions in that game, he decided to go for it when he could have kicked the field goal and some win and stuff like that. Penn State, he just kept running the ball because Penn State couldn't stop it. So... He, he It will be tough without Harbaugh. McCarthy, you look at his splits when Jim's on the sideline versus when he's not this season. He's not the same quarterback. A little bit of a concern there, but uh, I still like Michigan to get the job done without him. All right, let's move on to a game that I know you'll be interested in and probably watching Saturday again at noon. Number eight, Alabama, on the road against Auburn. Crimson Tide, big, heavy favorites in this one. 14.5 point spread. Minus 650 on the money line, total 48 and a half. Uh, That's actually down just a touch from where it opened up. But the Iron Bowl always brings us some surprises sometimes. You think back to, you know, kick six and everything else that's going on. Big rivalry game. You're an Alabama guy. You're an Alabama grad. But you're not on your Crimson Tide this weekend. 
I'm not Bill, and it's all about because of where the game is. If this game was in Tuscaloosa and Bryant-Denny, I think Bama wins by four touchdowns. I think they blow them out. But because this game is a Jordan-Hare, it's a completely different story. I think this stat speaks volume to what an impact Jordan-Hare has on this rivalry and what a tough place it's been for Saban teams in the past. Bill, this is going to be the fourth time that Nick Saban has had an undefeated SEC team in Alabama. They obviously dropped the game to Texas earlier in the year. Fourth time he's had an undefeated team in SEC play, playing in an Iron Bowl at Jordan-Hare. Those teams are one and two straight up. The only win was back in 2009 when Bama was number two in the country. Auburn was unranked, and they needed a drive in the final minute from Greg McElroy to Roy Upchurch for a touchdown to win that game. So very easily could be 0-3. A couple years ago, they were three touchdown favorites in this game with Bryce Young. They won it in quadruple overtime. So it's just, it's never, it's never easy. And the worst thing that could have happened to Bama last week was Auburn losing outright to New Mexico State because now everybody's coming into this game. They're talking about how great Alabama's playing, how great Jalen Milrow's playing. Auburn is an absolute train wreck. The season's over. This is why Hugh Freeze was brought in Auburn, though. This is why they paid him to be the coach because he beat Saban twice when he was at Ole Miss. Auburn's going to have every trick up their sleeve they're going to try everything they can i like the under i think this game's going to be ugly it's going to be low scoring and i like auburn to keep it close and hang around but you're not going to necessarily take auburn you're not going to put any of your cash on their money line are you well maybe it's a little emotional hedge i might have to because if i'm going to be sad bill i might as well make some money in the process you know what i mean (laughs) might as well be sad and have some cash in your pocket absolutely all right uh, just got a couple minutes left. We'll, we'll jump to Florida State, Florida, but there's another game that uh, that you want to get to before we get to that one, and it's involving Nebraska of all teams. Yeah, this is uh, another game on Friday, Nebraska and Iowa. When people are talk about this game, they talk about the total, but I actually like Nebraska in the game. Another one of those five-win teams looking to make a bowl. They're ma- motivated to do so. Matt Rule's in his first year as head coach, so they want to win, want to build that program, get it going in the right direction. Iowa's nothing to play for, Bill. They've already locked up the Big Ten West. They're playing in the Big Ten Championship next week, so it's one of these cases I'm getting a highly motivated team versus an Iowa team with really nothing to play for. So uh, I like Nebraska tomorrow. I think they uh, win that game. Wouldn't take the spread because the total is so low. I could certainly see them winning by one or two points. I wouldn't lay the two and a half, but I do like them on the money line to win the game. Isn't it amazing that we could get a 14-13 game and that would go over the total by a single point? 26. And people are still betting the under in this game. They are. Iowa's offense, it's 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 impressive how bad they are. Like it truly is. What's even more impressive, Bill, is that the totals have been low all year. They're nine and two to the under, but they're also nine and two straight up this season. Like we joke about them, but Kirk Ferentz is a heck of a coach, man. He just he gets results and they win games. They just have to win them 17 10, 9 to 6, right. yep. 10 to 7, whatever it is. So there you go. All right. We're going to jump up a level. NFL talk Thanksgiving Day games. Maybe we'll talk a little Black Friday as well. Bill Rowland and PJ Glass are in for Chelsea and Jinx. This is the Daily Tip from BetQL presented by BetMGM.
Hey, it's Ken Barkley from You Better You Bet, wishing you and yours a happy Thanksgiving from all of us here at the BetQL Network. Enjoy some turkey, (laughs) enjoy some football, let's win some money. Welcome back to the Daily Tip on the BetQL Network, presented by BetMGM. Welcome back, everyone. Bill Rowland, PJ Glass are in for Chelsea and Jinx. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. We appreciate you hanging out with us on this Thanksgiving morning. We're going to talk a little NFL Thanksgiving Day games here coming up momentarily. But it is Thanksgiving, PJ, and we have already established that you're hanging out with the family today, which is fantastic. So after you get through the, I'm assuming, traditional meal, turkey and everything for you guys? Turkey, all the good stuff. We got turkey. Um, we got stuffing. Are you a stuffing guy, not a dressing guy? I am not. I am not a stuffing at all guy. I don't. There's no reason to shove all that stuff into the bird. You want to give me? You want to give me bread and celery and whatever else? Then make a little veggie plate, and I'll eat the celery and the carrots and the cauliflower and whatever else you want to put out there. If I need bread, just give me a little roll. I can put a little butter on it. No, I don't. I don't do the stuffing thing at all. All right, yeah, I'm a big stuffing guy. Love it. Uh, turkey's okay. I'm not not a fan. I'm more the dessert guy, though. Bill, like, put some pumpkin pie in front of me. Uh, my mom makes pumpkin bread, which is really good. Love the uh, love mac and cheese. You know all that stuff. So, yeah, mashed potatoes are great too. But stuffing that uh, that's that's my that's my one. I love stuffing. See, that's what I was going to ask you as far as the des- dessert goes. And you said pumpkin pie, so you're more of a, a pie fan than you know maybe cookies or cakes or anything else that people may bring out yep love the pie love a good cobbler too you know like if we're talking like a peach cobbler or or something like that um but yeah like a pumpkin pie apple pie all that stuff i'm big fan love it now is your mom cooking all that stuff or is she going to the store and getting a pre-made pumpkin pie because you know, there's nothing wrong with that because, you know, look, time is of the essence. Sometimes you're cooking all the other stuff. How does she go about taking care of all the desserts? Yeah, I think she bought she bought half of them. And then uh, I think she might be cooking one potentially. Um, but, yeah, okay. all the other all the other stuff she's she's cooking, too. So, uh, you know, good for her. She's she's obviously retired right now, which is nice. So she she has some time to do all that. But uh she she loves it, and uh, like I told you at the start of the show, it's my favorite holiday. I just I love the food. It always gets me, Bill, that we could really have this stuff like any time of the year if we really wanted. But for whatever reason, we just really don't have this stuff until Thanksgiving, which I always find pretty funny. See, it's funny that you say that because probably years ago now, in a past life, if you will, um, my girlfriend's daughter said the same thing. She loved thanksgiving so for her birthday one year she decided she wanted to have the family do a thanksgiving so we did the whole thing the turkey the, this is in july so you're roast i mean it was crazy late july and you're doing the thanksgiving thing but you know what it was kind of fun it's kind of neat yeah. I, I think that like is cool I, right i mean we could have this stuff whatever we want i mean we could do thanksgiving whenever we wanted but uh yeah it's just kind of funny that for whatever reason we're programmed to kind of have these certain foods only this time of the year yeah it's a good point all right <laughs> nfl obviously three games today we've got also the black friday game that we'll get to with the dolphins and the jets as well but let's start off green bay and detroit 
Big game of the NFC North, as we've talked about. You've put together a pretty good parlay. We can get to that as well. Same game. But an eight-point spread. This has started out at seven, has slowly risen up now to eight. The total sitting there at 47. Lions minus 400 on the money line. Packers are plus 310. Packers have some real issues here. Again, we talked about it earlier in the show. They're sitting eighth in the NFC right now in the playoff race. But I'm not sure they even know if Jordan Love is their quarterback of the future, let alone the quarterback that can win this game on the road to Detroit on Thanksgiving. Packers got some real questions going through these last seven, eight games of the season, right? I mean, are we sure where they are in the pecking order of the NFC? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a good point. You know, you were talking about that earlier, and I don't know how you feel about, like, the NFC playoff picture, but especially when I look at the wild card, it feels like all the teams that are currently in it right now and all the wild card teams that we have, Dallas, Minnesota, and Seattle, it just feels like those teams are kind of going to make it by default. Like, I think Dallas and Seattle certainly are playoff teams. Minnesota, I just think, is kind of like the best of, of the rest that are left, you know? And when you talk about the Packers specifically, a lot of first-round talent on that defense, it feels like we've been waiting for them to be kind of a top-tier unit in the league for the last couple of years. It just hasn't panned out. And then Jordan Love has been so up and down this season. Like, he starts the year, and it looks like the Packers might have found something. Then he goes through a slide where he's really struggling. Last two games, though, against Pittsburgh and the Chargers, he's really played well. But these are the games where you really want to see him excel, Bill, because he's playing against the Lions for a second time. They've already seen him. It's a divisional game, and it's a big game. You're on Thanksgiving. You're The whole country's watching you. So big day for Jordan Love. I do like his overpassing yards today at 233 and a half. And most of that is because of how porous the Lions secondary has been here as of late. Lamar Jackson shredded him. Justin Herbert shredded him. I know those two guys are two of the top quarterbacks in the league, but when Love went against them earlier in the year when they played at Lambeau, he was able to throw for 246. So I think he could have another pretty good day through the air, especially because of uh, how he's been playing as of late, how bad that Lions defense has been, and because the Lions are going to score. They're at home, and that's just that's what they do. So uh, I like that. Another angle, maybe, if you want to attack this game, Bill, Jared Goff over the last two years, nobody has been better at covering a first-half spread than Jared Goff. He's 19-7-1 in the first half. So you don't want to lay that minus eight because it's a big number. You just want to watch the first half, hope the Lions are up like, you know, 17-10-14-3, something like that, especially with what a slow starting team Green Bay has been this season. It feels like they're always scoring like three, seven points in the first half. Maybe that's another angle as well. But uh, yeah, I like that love prop. Uh, I'm talking myself maybe into some Lions first half as well. I think maybe that's another way to go in this game. Okay, can you make a case at all for Green Bay to go in and actually win this game outright? I think you can, and it's really nothing to do with them on the field. I just think, Bill, you and I both know that there are going to be a ton of people out there today who are going to take a Lions, Cowboys, 49ers, Moneyline parlay, right? And the big question is, who's going to be that underdog to screw it up? Who's going to be that team that could play them tough Washington's not winning that game, so it's not going to be them. I think they cover. They're not winning that game. So you would think it's either going to be Seattle or Green Bay. 
I mean, look, with the way Chicago played against the Lions last week, you know, they very easily could have won that game. And the Lions are in unfamiliar territory right now. Like, they're 8-2. and two. They haven't been this good in, like, close to 50 years. And, you know, it's tough to beat a team two times, even with when you're clearly superior to Green Bay. Like, the Lions are just – they're starting to get in these positions, Bill, where they're getting everybody's best shot now. They're one of the best teams in the NFC. They're the team to beat in their division. So – it would have to be just for the simple fact that Green Bay is obviously coming in there with with nothing to lose, and they just watched the Bears go toe-to-toe with the Lions. They should have won that game, and the Packers are like, you know what? We demolished that team, that Bears team back in week one of the regular season. So if they can give Detroit a game, we've already seen them this year. We know what they're about. We know how, what a good team they are. Um, I think that's the reason. It's just because, you know, it's, it's a divisional game, and – the Lions, you know, that their defense certainly could give up points to the Packers. And if they're turning the ball over like they were last week, Packers could uh, they could shock some people and maybe hang around today. You just said that the Commanders were not going to be the team to ruin a money line parlay. Will they, though, cover the 13-and-a-half as that number has gone up? Dallas and Washington kicking off in the second Thanksgiving Day game today. Cowboys, obviously, big favorites on the money line. Washington, you'd make a fortune if you sprinkled this on there. But you say that they can't win it, plus 600 Washington on the money line. Dallas has struggled at home uh, traditionally on Thanksgiving, but that's not the case this year in the regular season. 4-0, and averaging 40 points a game. Now, they have played some really bad teams. The Jets, the Patriots are two of them at home. But they have annihilated people. Dak Prescott has seems to be over his interception problems and turnover problems that he had last year. C.D. Lamb has been playing really well. They found Brandon Cooks. Oh, yeah, he's on that team. They figured him out a couple weeks ago, went for 100-plus yards and a touchdown. They've got weapons everywhere. Dallas, though, has not been able to run the ball, I think, as well as a lot of people thought. Tony Pollard has just been kind of meh this season. Any thought that Washington can slow this team down I say no because mainly, P.J., Washington does a pretty decent job of stopping the run. Their secondary is horrific. Yes. If DeVito can shred that secondary <laughs> with the weapons that he has, if Tommy DeVito's throwing that, what is Dak and CeeDee Lamb and Brandon Cooks and Jake Ferguson and all those other weapons that Dallas has, what is Washington going to do with them? I, it's, I mean, it's, it's the ultimate question today. And, you know, for people that are listening, if you're big into stats and you're big into trends, we have a couple that are going head to head today, Bill, because since 2005 favorites of 10 or more or favorites of 10 or more points, eight, no against the spread since 2005 on Thanksgiving. But then in Dallas's last 12 Thanksgiving games, they're one and 11 against the spread. So something's got to give today. And uh, I would more so go with the fade Dallas trend, especially because of the spot. And we're getting Washington off this horrendous performance against the Giants. You know, we've seen Washington this season lay another complete egg when they played the Bears on a Thursday night. They were down 28-3 to at halftime. They bounced back. They went on the road against Atlanta, who obviously is nowhere near the team that Dallas is. But they were able to win that game. They were up by 15 at one point in that game. So Washington has certainly shown us that they can have a terrible performance at home, go on the road, and kind of bounce back. 
and they can't play any worse than they did last week. They had six turnovers in that game. Despite all that, they still had a chance on the final drive to go down the field and win that game. So they seemingly always tend to play Dallas pretty tough on Thanksgiving. You know, this is obviously a game that you get up for because the whole country's watching. You're going up against Dallas. It's it's a bitter rivalry. I like Washington to keep it close, but as I told you, I just I can't see a path to them to them winning this game just because of how dominant Dallas has been at home this season. If you want to buy it up to 14 like I did and lay minus 120 juice, I can't blame you there. I think that's that's a safe bet as well. All right, let's talk about the final game of the Thanksgiving Day slate. Seahawks at 49ers. Big game in the NFC West. If the 49ers win this, they'll be up two games on Seattle. Seattle wins this. We've got a tie in the division. Seven-point spread here, San Francisco by seven. Minus 350 on the money line. Seahawks are plus 280. Total set at 44, which to me, I don't know that I like the seven. Maybe you push it back down to six and a half, but I do like the over of 44 because I think San Francisco can score in Seattle. And I think the Seahawks will do their part. I think they get at least 17 in this ballgame. So a 27-17 puts you right at that 44 mark. I think we can get there. Yeah, you know, you look at unders on Thanksgiving night games, and they're actually 7-1 and one in the past uh, eight-night Thanksgiving games to the under. So, obviously, primetime unders have been a huge thing over the last couple of years. Maybe we get another one tonight. I'm kind of with you, though. I lean towards the over. With this Niners offense healthy and back together, you know, I'm having a tough time seeing Seattle keeping them out of the high 20s, low 30s, which means Seattle would probably just have to get into the high teens or low 20s as well. Uh, also, it's worth noting, Bill, that these road favorites on Thanksgiving of seven points or more, 9-0 and straight up, 8-1 and against the spread in the last 20 years. So normally you get a team like San Francisco in this spot, they, they, they tend to dominate and they tend to win these games pretty easily. And that's what Thursday night football is all about. You know, I mean, we obviously get these games every single week. And it feels like these big favorites seem to always cover because you don't have as much time to prep. And in those kind of games, it's almost more about the Jimmys and the Joes and the X's and the O's, right? And there's a reason that those better teams seem to always blow out the lesser teams. And uh, maybe we get that tonight. You know, San Francisco is just, when they're healthy, when they have their guys back on offense, Bill, they might be the best team in the NFL. I've kind of always thought Seattle was a little bit overrated you know they have some nice pieces on both sides of the ball but I'm just still not fully there with Gino I think he's a nice player I, I certainly don't think he's like a top 10 top uh top 10 quarterback in the league and he's hurt he's coming dealing with the shoulder injury from that Rams game so uh like I told you earlier in the show I would tease San Francisco down to minus one I really like that play them winning the game and then maybe you tease it with another game here in week 12 um, and then George Kittle over receiving yards. Really like that play today, over 52 and a half. He's had 68 or more in three of his last four games, and uh, he's gone over that total in four straight games. He's been on an absolute fire. Seattle struggles to cover tight ends, so uh, Kittle would be a guy that I would target today in that Niner Seahawks game. You're not laying the 250 or minus 300 that we've seen some places for an anytime Christian McCaffrey touchdown? Can't do that now. Can't can't do that. Even though he probably scores. Yeah, it's still it's a lot of money to lay out there. All right, coming yeah. up next, talk a little college basketball, big games around the country involving some top twenty-five teams. 
We'll also get to some college football in the next hour as well. Bill Rowland and PJ Glasser in for Chelsea and Jinx. This is the Daily Tip from BetQL presented by BetMGM. This is Joe Ostrowski from BetQL Daily. I'll take any leftover stuffing and turkey for Friday sandwiches during football. (laughs) Wishing you a happy Thanksgiving from all of us at the BetQL Network. Welcome back to the Daily Tip on the BetQL Network, presented by BetMGM. And we are back, Bill Rowland, along with PJ Glasser, filling in for Chelsea and Jinx today here on the Daily Tip. Coming up next hour, we'll talk about the playoff push in college football and where those top eight teams, how they can get there or stay there in the college football playoffs. Also, again, Look at today's slate in the NFL. Maybe take a quick peek ahead to the weekend NFL games as well. PJ, we're going to talk a little college basketball here in this segment. But first, I want to go quickly back to the NBA. Don't know if you saw this last night. Spurs coach Greg Popovich, in the middle of the game, stopped and went to the scores table, took the microphone to address the home crowd, and basically asked them to stop booing Kawhi Leonard, as he's now playing for the Spurs, as he was shooting free throws. The crowd, of course, booed even louder after that, anytime a a Clipper went to the free throw line, including James Harden. But what do you make of Greg Popovich getting on the mic and saying, hey, we're better than this, let's not boo Kawhi Leonard, Let's have a little class. And after the game, he said it's because he didn't want to, quote, poke the bear, that he basically thought the more they booed Leonard, the harder he would play. Now, his Spurs lost that game. I mean, you know, they lose anyway, 109-102 in the contest. But did the booing have anything to do with Leonard scoring 18 of his 26 after Pop addressed the crowd? Or is this just more nonsense from Greg Popovich? No, I think this was bizarre to see. Yeah, I saw that video too. I just, I mean, booing's a part of sports. Like, you know, everybody has to deal with it. It's almost a sign of flattery too, right? Like they wouldn't boo you if, if you weren't good at your job. And obviously Kawhi helped them win in NBA finals. The way he left San Antonio was was a bit surprising and it didn't end the best way. But uh, yeah, I just I, I thought, you know, especially during the middle of the game, just to go over, grab the microphone and tell people to stop booing, like that's that that was a bit strange. So uh, you know, Popovich is he's he's one of the best of of all time and uh, he's a great coach, but I just thought that was that was a weird thing that he decided to do last night. Yeah, to me it didn't make any sense because again, they're professional athletes. This isn't like you're booing 12-year-olds at like a you know a junior high game or something like right. hey well, hold on these guys are getting paid yeah right they're Kawhi's getting paid millions a lot. of dollars <laughs> yeah Kawhi doesn't, and, and Kawhi even said after the game he's like I didn't realize what was going on I was just trying to make my free throws because until somebody told him afterwards he's like I wasn't really aware of what was happening so just kind of a bizarre moment and Popovich seems to be that kind of guy where he, he's kind of become the curmudgeon here later on i guess he's always been a bit of a curmudgeon but as he's gotten older i think it's gotten even worse where he's just he's salty with the media now he's getting salty with his hometown fans i don't know i just wonder how long he's going to stick around and want to do this yeah you know if they didn't get Wembenyama, it would have been interesting to see kind of how much longer he would have lasted there but he signs that five-year deal then they get Wembenyama, and uh i mean it, it looks like he's 
certainly living up to the hype so far. But I'm with you. You know, it felt like obviously the Spurs were so dominant for so long. And these last couple of years, they've been one of the worst teams in the NBA. But now they've kind of got this young infusion of talent that's kind of revived the city and the fan base, as we know. And you got one of the generational prospects here over the last 20, 25 years. So I think he certainly, you know, could last maybe through his contract the next four or five years and then see what happens there. But, uh, yeah, that that was that was weird last night, Bill. I'm not gonna lie to you. you. There are certain things that you see videos of, and you almost think they're like fake or staged at some point. And then you're like, no, that that was actually real. That happened. That was very strange. All right, let's get to the college basketball slate. Big game out in California today. Number three, Arizona, taking on number 21, Michigan State. Arizona minus 250 on the money line. Five and a half is the spread. Michigan State is plus 195, total 146 and a half. This is going to be a fantastic game. Arizona already has gone on the road and won at Duke. They are a very deep team. They're a very big team. You talk about deep. Caleb Love, the transfer from North Carolina, is the guy that's playing 65% of the minutes. Nobody else is playing more than that so far on the season. Now, part of that may be the schedule that they've played. It hasn't been you know, a big, huge you know, rough slate of games other than at Duke. But this is a deep Arizona team, and this is a big Arizona team. Michigan State, who dropped a home game to James Madison already this year, could be in trouble today. Definitely, and uh, I I really like Arizona, Bill. I'd lay the five and a half with them. They might be the best team in college basketball. I know what Purdue did in the Maui Invitational. They're certainly going to be the number one team in the country, and they certainly have that that right in people's eyes if they think Purdue's the best. But, you know, for Arizona to go into Cameron Indoor and beat Duke earlier this season and see, I think the difference with this year's Arizona team, Bill, is they're pretty solid on defense. Like, Tommy Lloyd's team the last couple of years can score with the best of them, but this year's team can defend. You know, you look at Ken Palm right now, and uh, their number seven offensive and defensive efficiency, which really sticks out to me. So they've been great on that side of the floor. This is all going to be about one of those, you know, games of, of styles, though. Arizona's got the number nine tempo in the country. Michigan State's all the way down at 329. So can the Spartans get this game in the half court? Can they slow it down? Can they get Arizona out of transition, which is where they want to live? When, when we get games like this, Bill, and you're betting college basketball and you're getting one team that wants to walk the ball up the floor and play at a slow pace and you want to get another team that wants to run and gun, I always think the total is a pretty good indicator of kind of which way the odds makers see this game going. And with the total being at 146.5, they're, they're telling you that Arizona is probably going to dictate the tempo in this game. And it's tough to get Arizona out of their flow. I mean, very few teams are able to do that. And Michigan State, you know how it is, Bill. They're kind of the anti-Purdue. I really don't like betting them in November and December, but you better believe I'll be betting them in March. I don't care what seed, what number is next to their name. So this is the time to fade Michigan State. This is the time to bet against them. And uh, I, I like Arizona in this spot today. I mean, you look at the numbers that Arizona has put up. As you mentioned, their efficiency in Ken Palm, number seven in both. But look at the rebounding number. They are fourth in offensive rebounding percentage. They're getting 44% of their missed shots. They're rebounding themselves while giving up just 17% 
to the opponent, which is also in the top, what are they, number three. So they're fourth best offensive, third best defensive rebounding team. That's usually a Michigan State staple. But Arizona's got a couple of seven-footers. Not one. They've got two seven-footers that they can put out there on the floor. Sometimes they'll use them at the same time. A lot of times they'll rotate in for each other. You've got a great backcourt. They're shooting the three ball well so far, hitting it over 40%, which is top 20. I don't know how this five and a half, I mean, maybe we'll both end up being wrong. This, to me, is an eight, nine, ten-point type game for Arizona. I don't know how Michigan State keeps it close. And again, you know, I, I know Michigan State fans travel well, but this game's in California, Bill. Like, that gym's going to be right. 75 80% Wildcat fans. So, yeah, I mean, I know this is certainly a neutral site game, but it's definitely going to be a pro-Arizona crowd. And uh, I, I just, you know, there are certain teams in college basketball, certain times of the year you like to bet. And Tommy Lloyd in Arizona, you know, since he's been there, they're a really good team beginning of the season they're a great regular season team it's just it's what they do and you know Izzo's Michigan State teams certainly they're they're all about March like that's all they care about um and he wants to get his team headed in the right direction and playing their best basketball at that time of the year so I'm with you this spread in my eyes should be like a seven and a half eight I think you're getting a nice number at five and a half so I like zone as well yeah, and I mean, again, it's going to be tough for them to score on the inside. And Michigan State, at least so far, has not been a very good three-point shooting team on the season. Their numbers uh, right now, not good from outside the arc, hitting just 26% from deep. So not a good look there for Michigan State. And that three ball, as we know, that's the equalizer. If you can't get anything done on the inside, you can bang away threes. You'll stay in the game. Michigan State not shooting it well to start off. All right, no line on this one, at least early this morning when I checked it at MGM. But number 14, North Carolina, taking on Villanova in the battle for Atlantis. We can just kind of talk briefly about this game in general. North Carolina, again, coming in ranked number 14. They blitzed Northern Iowa yesterday. I was all over the Tar Heels. Ah, as we see it popping up on the screen, we do have a number on this one now. Carolina minus 2.5, minus 137 on the money line, total set at 146.5. But that number yesterday, 11.5 against Northern Iowa, we were all over it. That was uh, one of the bets that I put in for our show parlay. I was like, I don't know how Northern Iowa, who had one win on the season against either an NAIA or a D3 team, whoever it was, said, I don't know how they're going to keep it close with North Carolina. Well, they were up six at halftime. And then North Carolina came out and absolutely annihilated them in the second half. They looked like the Carolina team you'd expect. Now, Mondo Baycott did not have a great game for Carolina yesterday. Expect him to bounce back. How does Villanova keep it within the number here against North Carolina down there in Atlantis? You know, it's just going to be a really good game. I uh, Both teams, you know, they, they have a lot of veterans on their team. You talked about Baycott. Carolina's got R.J. Davis. They had Harrison Ingram transferring from Stanford. He's an upperclassman as well. I, I just, I like this Villanova team. You know, when you talk about the Big East, everybody wants to talk about the Big Three with Marquette, Creighton, and UConn. Villanova's a really veteran experienced team this year bill you know they got a ton of seniors on that roster led by justin moore led by eric dixon their big man um you know kyle neptune is certainly trying to find his way as a head coach and you're never going to replace a guy like jay wright but i'll probably take villanova in in this game you know like you said unc got off to a slow start 
yesterday against Northern Iowa, and then with their skill level just kind of took over in that second half. They won't be able to do that today against Villanova, who I thought put together a really nice 40-minute performance against Texas Tech. Um, Look, you score 85 points on a good defensive Texas Tech team, especially in a neutral site game. Game one as well out there in Atlanta. That's that's a pretty good thing. They played well against Maryland. I mean, Maryland couldn't buy a shot against them. So I I like Villanova today. I think there's a good shot that they could win this game. Uh, They could win this game outright. So I'll take a shot with, uh, with Nova today. When you look at the Wildcats, the question will be, can they find somebody? Because they don't have anybody higher, you know, taller than 6'8 that plays significant minutes. Do they have somebody that can handle Baycott down low? Yeah. Yeah, Dixon, I mean, that's that's going to be the big thing for him. Obviously, if he gets in foul trouble today, that maybe looking at Carolina live, that could be a thing. Because like you said, without Dixon, they're going to be struggling to defend Baycott. All right, college football, how teams can get to the playoffs. That's coming up next. Roland and Glass are in for Chelsea and Jinx. This is the Daily Tip from BetQL presented by BetMGM. For more, listen to the Daily Tip presented by BetMGM. Weekday mornings from 6 to 9 Eastern on the BetQL network, the Odyssey app, or wherever you get your podcasts.